Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Castle Rock. Today we'll be covering the 10th and final episode from Season 2 of Castle Rock titled, Colleen. Final episode. What'd you think, Sean? Uh, uh, High levels, it wasn't bad. (laughs) Um, It was just kind of... Since your hesitation. Yeah. No, I mean, it wasn't awful, but it was uh, definitely... It definitely didn't uh, stick a landing for me, but uh, uh, happens. Okay. It happens. It happens. Well, we're, we're going to find out more about it. I, I think that I was probably more satisfied than what you are, so um, let's find out why um, we, we think the way that we do and get in, into our number five. I'll go ahead and start off this week with my number five. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, where we're all kind of gathering in this final episode where we've got Joy. She's under, I'm going to say under the influence, um, although not of alcohol. Um, They've got her all dressed up, getting her all prepped. She looks like a bride. Looks kind of creepy-ish. Yeah, and like you had mentioned last episode, like, I hope they're not doing anything because she is underage, and like that was the first scene. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Rima. Isn't that uh, weird? I I just thought, oh no, my eyes. I don't want to watch. This is too, you know, I didn't, and I thought, man, they're they're really going to get close here because we see, you know, they've got Joy. They've got her all dressed up. You can tell she's very much under the influence. You've got the whole town um, under the influence as well. Also, the French colonists colonists um that have uh kind of done the whole body snatching thing they're all there everyone's gathered for the ceremony because it's finally getting ready to happen right this moment after 400 years um is getting ready to happen they've got the statue um up um like an altar they've got amity's coffin uh they've laid out this big ass knife um which i'm guessing is is going to be part of the weaving process for joy um, you know, the, she has to die. Everyone seems to have to die yeah. for this process to take place. Um, so then I'm wondering, I don't know, because I, I guess what where I was kind of confused, because it seems that Ace or um, Augustin, however you want to say his damn French name that I'm never going to get right, um, he kept looking for the angel. Um, and Amity was telling him, you need to find the angel. So was he supposed to, he never showed up. And he went to all this trouble to get um, Pop, you know, to, to get information from him or to find out what information he knew to find out about the angel. Was he supposed to be there and a part of the ceremony? Was he supposed to, you know, oh, if we do this, he's going to show up? Or do we have to find him to complete the ceremony? I was kind of yeah, um, that, confused uh, a little bit. I imagine it's probably the, the age-old issue of a husband not listening to a wife. <laughs> and she's like, when this all goes down, you need to go to where I first saw the angel and make this happen. Uh, and maybe he was supposed to do it on the rock. But yeah, that was, I kind of feel like they really teased the kid uh, in a couple episodes ago. And I really felt like he was going to be more, mm-hmm. but I felt like they kind of misused him. I know there's some rumors about who the kid potentially could be. Yes. But I still kind of feel like it was just kind of a a waste for season two. Well, and so 
Was this weaving process maybe supposed to make something happen? Was it going to bring him back maybe permanently into this realm or dimension or I don't know. I just, cause it's like he, he, he wasn't there. It's like we, we did all this work to, you know, find out where he was. Like he went and looked for him in Shawshank. He went to all the trouble to, to find out what pop knew. Um, and he just never, he's like, oh, well, I guess he's just not going to show up. We're going to go ahead with, on with this weaving process. So I just wasn't quite sure what all was supposed to have happened and why the whole purpose of why they 400 years ago all had to, yeah. you know, sac- why she had to sacrifice her entire town, her entire village um, for the angel um, and then come back 400 years later. What was supposed to happen? I just, I, I guess I was kind of confused about that. Maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe that's just one of the questions because I do have questions um that will come later um that maybe will go unanswered but i was just kind of curious as to how he tied into this was he supposed to be there before was it supposed to make him show up was there something that was supposed to happen he was at the lake he was kind of present he was there yeah Um, and we do see that he just disappeared yeah Um, well he's like uh 400 years worth of work just went down the damn toilet See ya. And and is that just him? Like he's the kind of person or the kind of entity that just wants to create chaos. So it's like, you know what? Let me see if I can mess with these, you know, town people and see if we can get them to kill each other or kill themselves. Well, like, oh, well, they did it. All right. Well, oh, yeah. That 400 year thing. Oh, yeah. It's coming up. Okay. Well, I'll bring him back to life. Let's see what else these guys can do to entertain me. That's true. I'm wondering if he's going to become a constant because he was in season one and we know he created kind of chaos wherever he went. There were fires and people murdering each other and all kinds of terrible things happening every time he would kind of come around in season one. And then he somehow makes uh, his presence known in season two. Uh, More chaos happens. Um, And so will he just become this constant? And I think that's where some of the theories that some people have about who he really is kind of come into play. Um, Because will he be just as constant in every season of Castle Rock um, that just kind of goes into every season and somehow causes, um, you know, some kind of chaos or or something like this to happen? So anyway, that's that's my number five. It's just kind of... um, you know, everyone gathered, what the hell is happening? What does the kid have to do with it? I have a lot of questions about that. And I guess that's kind of the frustrating part. We get some answers and some things, but there's still lots of questions. So. Yeah. And I mean, kind of tying on to yours, I feel like that's why this episode was a little bit misused because I feel like they could have focused a lot more on that specific story mm-hmm. instead of giving us kind of what they did for kind of finishing Annie's prequel. Because uh, I felt like they spent a little too much time on that, and not enough time on this. Because it really did feel kind of—I know some of the Stephen King things I've read—they seem to kind of like end pretty quickly, mm-hmm. instead of kind of like flushing out. It's like you know all this. It's and comic books do this too, really bad. I think where you know you've got twenty-seven issues of all this like big stuff happening, and then all of a sudden it ends in panel like you know three panels. You're like, oh well, yeah, Batman showed up and then he stabbed the Joker. Okay, like there wasn't <laughs> much there. Yeah, it's kind of anticlimactic. Um, so I feel like they kind of did that in this episode where I think they they've spent. I mean, the episode was like fifty minutes long, forty five mm-hmm. minutes long, and they spent what fifteen minutes in Castle Rock, probably. Yeah, I feel I feel like this this finale was almost like a two part season finale. The first part was kind of wrapping up the story with the French colonists and the kid, and then the second finale was the story of. Um, Joy and Annie. And maybe so. it's just kind of 
a little bit bad editing. You know, maybe they should have, you know, maybe they should have tidied the the Castle Rock stuff in last episode, and then this was just all about Annie. Yeah. Um, and maybe, and the other thing too is there was no teaser at the end, which I was kind of expecting. Uh, but uh, that's kind of here or there, I guess. But um, yeah. My number five, I guess, is kind of tying it. Just it's pop goes out with a bang. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yes. another, I guess, the second time he goes out with a bang. He had his own funeral, and then he actually has this. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, you know, we didn't have to wait as long because we did two episodes back to back. So, you know, by the time we finished talking about it, the new episode was out. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it was, like I said, it, they just. They had a lot going on in the previous episode, and then they just kind of ended it pretty quick. And it was one of those things, too, like everybody kind of had a pretty confident feeling of what Pop was doing. You know, he injected himself with that medicine. He, you know, allowed himself to essentially get murdered. And you kind of had an idea like, okay, when he comes back, he's going to be himself. And uh, that's what we see. And the other thing, too, it's kind of odd is that the person that this happened to before she seemed to like have like this very like tough battle between herself and the the spirit that was trying to take her over. Mm-hmm. But here, Pop was just kind of he's able to put on this face, kind of slide by unnoticed, and then he, you know, sets everything up so that stuff explodes. Uh, so I'm not really like I said, it, it kind of ties into yours a little bit too. I'm just not sure how I feel about the ending to our second main story for this season. It seemed mm-hmm. a little too clean. Seemed a little too rushed, um, and this this whole season, I, I felt like the pacing was really really good up till this last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it just it kind of ended quickly, like I've been saying, and I I just don't know if I don't know what they would do different, but I just I just still feel a little unsatisfied with that ending. Yeah, I get it. I was okay with um with with how the whole pop thing turned out because I think we knew that that was going to happen. Like he knew. They were going to kill him. He knew that he was going to uh, have someone else's like mind invade his own. Um, that's why he took the Haldol so he could be aware. Um, you know, so he took it before he was even shot. So it was in a system. So I guess because he knew it was going to happen is why he was more settled and calm with it. Maybe, maybe. Um, than than the other girl because she's got to totally be freaking out. You know, if that's not what you're expecting, like what the hell is going on? You know, with with me if I'm, I'm covered in slime, I've got this other voice in my head, and you know what the hell? What you know? How much did I have to drink last night? That's what I'd be thinking. Like what the hell? <laughs> you know, and you wake up from those nights when you're blackout, or sorry, is that just me? I don't know. <laughs> um, but I I liked it. I liked that he went out the hero, um, you know, and I liked that he was willing to sacrifice himself for his kids and. You know, I, it really made me sad that when he was telling Nadia, you know, he's like, do it, do it, you know, to, to hit the detonator, to blow things up. And he said, I deserve it. Yeah, um, that was that was kind of that was tough. You know, it's one of those that he's he didn't really get his redemption. Yeah. Although he did get his redemption, I guess, because he did kind of save everybody. But I still don't think deep down as he was being incinerated by this bomb, I don't think he felt vindicated or he felt like he did any good. He felt. It was kind of, again, like what he said, like, I deserve this. This is how I should go kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that's what he, I guess what he felt he needed to do, even though he didn't feel like he he was able to reconcile that with his kids, with Abdi and Nadia. 
um, because they still, I think, still had the same feelings for him. Although Nadia seemed to be pretty upset, you know, at the thought of him leaving that second time when he died or when he was, you know, sacrificing himself for the second time. She already thought he was dead and she seemed to be emotional at that. And then she seemed to be emotional again, um, you know, when, when they're down at the construction site um, and he's telling them to, you know, hit the trigger. Um, so I don't know. I was kind of wondering what their feelings are on that. Cause we don't find that out. We don't get to see what happens to them after, um, and kind of where things settled with them and, and, um, after all the events. Um, but I liked that whole storyline. I thought Tim Robbins did a fantastic job. I was happy to see him, which I, we speculated we would see him again. We kind of knew that that was going to happen, um, without, you know, you know, having to know any spoilers. So I thought he did a fantastic job, um, you know, I, I just, I enjoyed seeing him kind of, you know, cause some ruckus and disrupt their plans, um, you know, that, that they had, and he was willing to, to take it for the team, you know, and that he didn't want to become one of them. He didn't want to, you know, succumb to that. He knew that it was going to be over for him. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I was okay with all of that. I was, I was okay. Do you think anyway. there is some information that he knows that kind of died with him though? I do. And because he said, shit, what was it when they were in uh, the basement, whenever he found Nadia um, and Abdi and was asking them about the bombs, he took that one and he's like, uh, you know, I'm taking this one and you you blow that mf -er. Um And he said, because he's coming. And I was like, who? Who's coming? Mm. Um, is he talking about the kid? Yeah. Is, so how, what does he know? He never... It never went any farther than that. I mean, I guess he did mean the kid. I don't know. I'm I'm speculating, but is that what you got from well, that? Yeah, and you tie it to it like we saw that the uh, warden killed himself, and he was tied to the kid really close. And technically, Pop killed himself, and he was kind of close through his letters to the kid. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think there's some knowledge there that they have that is making them scared enough not to try to survive these events. Well, and now who knows what Warden Lacey um, and uh, Alan Pangborn and Pop knew. He yeah. burned the letters. Mm -hmm. Alan Pangborn's dead. Warden Lacey killed himself. Pop is gone. Who the hell is going to be around to tell the town and keep him straight and be the historian mm -hmm. and, and make people remember Henry these things? Deaver. Henry Deaver. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which Henry Deaver? Um I don't know. I, I, there's so many, so many questions now and what's going to happen, uh, you know, for the next, I mean, I, and I don't know, season two or sorry, three could, if there's a season three, I, I keep saying season three, like it's going to happen. I haven't heard any announcement yet or anything. It just ended. So, and I haven't heard anything. If it's out there, I totally missed it. I try to avoid the news so I don't get too spoiled. And I know this was the finale, but I still didn't want to look too hard. Um, so I don't know if there's been an announcement for season three yet. There could have been um, by the time that we record this. Um, but anyway, I don't know like what time period, I, yeah. you know, or, I mean, or whatever this that it would fall in. Who who who's going to know this stuff? Is there someone else out there who knows what they knew? Yeah, I mean, we could really go all the way back to. I mean, I guess not all the way back, but we could go to the Overlook in season three. I think that's the thing that frustrates me too about this the most is because. Going into season two, I think we kind of felt like this was going to be more uh, isolated. You know, there weren't they're going to be more like vignette style where each one was independent yeah. of each other. And then they throw you that curveball in episode yeah. seven or eight where you see the kid. And you're like, okay, no, they're keeping these connected very, very close, but they mm -hmm. don't tidy it up. 
So they can't really pull that trick on you next season. And if they yeah. do, it's going to feel even more cheated. Like if they go to the over, like you're like, oh, yes. the kid's got to be there or something. Because now we not. know they're yeah. messing with this. <laughs> and he's not there. You're just kind of like, okay, like, well, what, what's what's the game here? What is going on here? Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, I, I was okay with all that. And that, that was actually my, I think my number two um, was Pop's Final Sacrifice. And you touched on most of my notes. And my other one was just who who was coming. What did Pop know? And the fact that Pop died knowing what Warden Lacey and Alan Payneboard knew. We know those two are dead. Now Pop is dead. He was burned the letters. No one knows. Yeah. Unless we find out there's another cache of letters or or some somebody else has been keeping a history maybe he's um, got them in the cloud he photocopied them sent them up there that's that's it that's it good old pop's always thinking um that's really good i like that um uh, so you said that was your number four that was uh no that was my number four your number five tied into my number two so i guess oh, okay. it's time for my number four which is questions. Um, why do uh, outstanding questions is what I have. There's probably a lot, lot more, but these were my top ones that were really swimming in my head um, after the finale aired was, I still don't know why some people hear the sound and others don't. And it I, seemed like there's a lot more hearing the sound in this. They seem like they really kind of emphasize that more than. Yeah. I'm I'm not clear on on why some some people were hearing it and some were, and I don't know if it's important to know, um, or important that some people hear it and some don't. I don't know. Um, what happened to Nadia, Abdi, and Chance? Uh, is it possible that they could be side characters in season three? Because they they were kind of side characters. Uh, I mean, I guess depending on which part of the story you were watching, um, and which side they were focusing on for that episode but i feel like they were mostly side characters and supporting characters and could they possibly be in season three but we didn't really see anyone um from season one except for maybe one background character uh from season one and season two so that may not be but i was just kind of like well it would have been nice to kind of just at least have a little wrap up what happened after the marston house blew and you know, the, the whole spell was broken when no what nobody could hear the sound anymore after the statue was blown up, you know, kind of what happened a little bit, just a quick little, little wrap up, you know, a nice little something. Um, but maybe that's, maybe that's what will happen in season three. Um, then where will season three be? Um, Castle Rock, Salem's Lot, Derry. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like Derry has to be the next one, right? You think so? They mentioned it a lot, and then we got a big, you know, view of the sign um, when people were marching in the streets. You know, they made a point to show the sign to Derry. Um, so I don't know. You, do you think that's a possibility? Yeah, I feel like that would make sense. It kind of follow like the idea, cause, you know, they went to Castle Rock, then Salem, then hit up Derry uh, again. I. I wish they would have dropped some kind of like the, the what I was thinking what they would do is because at the end of season one, there was that teaser about the overlook, you know, is the the girl that uh, was related to Torrance, Jackie. Torrance, yeah, Jackie. You know? mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, well, I bet that's where season two is going to be. And, you know, season two ends and there's no extra stuff. It's just done. 
And so there's not even really anything to speculate for season three. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what's possibly going to happen? It's I'm definitely in the bag for it if it comes out, whatever it is. But it just kind of left you with a less of, you know, the wanting more, the teaser like season one did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we definitely need a season three after all that. There was definitely um, a lot left hanging. So what is your number four? My number four, uh, I had to pause, I had to zoom in, uh, <laughs> but we figure out where Mr. Henry Deaver is, and he is missing. He's missing. So as uh, Annie and Joy are moving into Canada, we see a sign on a Canadian gas station uh, pump that says missing Henry Deaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, suspected foul play was involved. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think what we learned from this episode, too, is that the kid... Uh, is only confined in prison or jail if he wants to be. So I don't think that... I'm curious uh, if Henry actually let him out or if the kid showed Henry his true powers or his true form. And that's where Henry Deaver is involved with at this point. Uh, I think showing that might be our clue to what season three will be about. Mm-hmm. Are they going to go back to Henry Deaver or or not? But... Um, that, I thought that was a nice little touch. It definitely, it definitely took me a second to catch it. Uh And I'm curious how many people on a first watch missed it. Yeah. I, I will brag just a moment and say I caught it, um, uh, immediately when I saw behind Annie on my first watch. So I was proud of myself. I was like, yeah, (laughs) no second watch for me, baby. Um, did you notice though, the date that he was missing? Mm, I don't know if I did or not. So it was in July, and shit, was it the 17th? July 17th or 21st? I I, I didn't write it down, but I know it was July of 2019. The end of season one was supposed to have taken a place in December, Christmas, like December 24th, I believe, of 2019. 2018. Because it is 2019. Um, but the same year. How could he go missing in July but be at Shawshank taking care of the kid in prison and taking him a sandwich and them having that last little conversation that we see in the finale of season one in December of that same year if he goes missing in July? Did it say he went missing in 2019 or 2018? I think it was 2018. Okay, so he went missing. D- don't listen to me on my years because um, I... I, I'm I'm still kind of stuck in my I think, years. I, I do remember I can't seeing the month, and I might have assumed that that was like six months after season one, and then he went missing. So I could be wrong there. So let's see. I'm going to look it up really quick. That's not the right thing I'm looking for. Oh, there was one of him as a child, too, and he was missing. That's right, because he disappeared when he was a kid, didn't he? He mm-hmm. was gone for like six months. Yeah, I, I can't. about that. Yeah. So he's got one as an adult, and then he had one when he was a kid when he disappeared. What was it, for like 10 days? Or was it, it was more than something that? Something like that, yeah. Anyway, I'm having trouble finding it. I didn't, um, I don't have it in front of me. But it was the same year. Whatever, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure it was uh, 2018, the same year. 
and that's why I was so confused because um, why, how could that be? And then if, if that's the case, could we be talking about like a different like dimension? So maybe he dropped into this dimension. Oh, you know, what's weird is like you talk about where they didn't find the head. What if the head of the uh, commissioner or not the commissioner, the uh, warden, I know. Ended up being in a different dimension. I know. That's what I. That's why I think um, it leaves so many questions because we find out a lot of information. Um, like, well, shoot. Let me go back to my notes here. So my number three is actually a little bit about Castle Lake. Um, Pop says it's a door to other here's, other nows, other dimensions, and um, the kid travels between them at his will. So why why couldn't that be a possibility? Because we find out, and that's actually an Easter egg that I have written down um, for Extended Universe, and that's a thinny. And Pop in this episode clarifies Castle Lake is um, what I just said, a door to other, other here's, other now's, other dimension. This could make it in the parlance of King, home to a thinny, which are essentially tears in the fabric between worlds. Thinnies emit a warbling sound and not unlike that of the schisma. Um, so I think we've got confirmation of that. Um, we know that there was some some weird time hopping happening before when Henry was young and went missing, when the kid, um, whether or not that whole storyline of his was true, that he was an alternate like universe Henry Deaver, um, and he was claiming, you know, to you know, I'm Henry Deaver. I'm in the wrong world. I need to get back. Um, you know, I'm you know I'm a different person in in the other world and all this other stuff. So I don't know. It, it was just really confusing to me to see that time, the same, the same year that he was um, visiting the kid and had the kid in prison that he was then disappeared in July, but he was supposed to be with the kid in December of that same year. So it was just kind of weird. Like if we're in some other alternate universe. Yeah. And I think from season one, I kind of thought that the uh, other universe stuff was not true because we did find out that they thought that he was kidnapped henry was for that time period too so they're definitely kind of leading you down to some weird weird potentially dead-end roads i know and i know i'm not making any damn sense i'm not making any damn sense myself because like i've said before we talked about this in other series and when we talked about season one of castle rock that time travel anytime that comes up it just scrambles my Mm -hmm. damn brain so I can't explain it correctly, and I can't. I don't think I can properly um, articulate my thoughts um, and, and what I exactly wanted to say. But I know it's, it makes sense in my head. If you could just get into my head, which is a really scary, scary place to be. But if you could, I think you'd probably everybody would be able to understand where, where I'm at. But um, I don't know. It's just I think lots of questions, and I think that we probably can't shut out all of the possibilities um, of what that might mean. Because I was just really confused when I saw that date. Um, anyway, because I'm like, wait a minute, he was with the kid in Christmas, you know, um, feeding him sandwiches and stuff. So anyway, confusing stuff. Um, well, that was your, that was, was that your number four? Yep, that was my number four. Do you have yeah. anything else to say about that? No, uh, it's, it sparks a bunch of questions and 
I love shows that do that, but it also gives me lost feelings where <laughs> we're going to get to the end of this and not have any answers still, and that just irritates me. But well, you know, J.J. Abrams is the executive producer here. So. Yeah, that's. that's <laughs> I always, I've always been the kind of person that says J.J. can come up with a great idea. He just can't finish it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope that's not the case with Castle Castle Rock when um, it all comes to an end. Whenever that happens. Um, that's a really good number four. Um, well, my number three I've already talked about was just Castle Lake and the possibilities. We saw the kid there whenever he was looking up and beyond at Marston House when it was uh, blown up. And I thought that was a funny look. He was kind of like, oh, what the hell? Waited 400 years for this. Um, and then he just turns around and he's like, well, he's out the damn door again. And he just disappears. And it seems so weird because I feel like his cloak the color of his cloak changed a little bit. I don't know if I was just seeing things, but I feel like at one point we saw that he wore a red cloak, which gives me, you know, these funny little feelings as to who he may be or a character that they might be referencing that he could possibly be um, from other King's uh, works. Um, but it seems strange that his robe kind of changed to this like greenish brown um, in that scene. Um, and he, when he turns around and kind of disappears. So, um, that was my number three. It was Castle Lake, the possibilities, the the theories, the questions it brings, and the kid um, who all things seem to happen there. We know Lord and Lacey killed himself there. Um, the um, Henry Deaver pushed his father off the cliff there. Um, and the kid seems to be traveling somehow um, there. And we know that Joy heard the schisma under the water there. So it just... Um, Lots of possibilities, lots of questions. I have no answers. But anyway, that was my number three. What is your number three? My number three is, again, I wonder if this ties into the bigger Stephen King universe, but it's Ace being alive still. Yes. So we know that he is a character in a lot of Stephen King stuff. So I'm not sure if this has anything to do. Well, one, we know he's alive. So Pretty sure he's that? alive, yeah. Pretty sure he's alive. What does that mean for future seasons? Uh, you know, like we knew Henry Deaver was still alive. We knew the kid was still alive. And we assumed that they were going to not be in season two. And we were 50% right. Well, actually, you know what? I would say we were 0% right because both were technically in the season. Um, so what does that mean for Ace? You know, this is a character that, like you mentioned, uh, Abdi and uh, uh, Nadia, you know, they're still alive. Are they going to be in the next season? Uh, and it's just... Uh, it's a little frustrating because I was pretty set, like I said earlier, that these were going to be independent seasons that didn't rely on each other. <laughs> but now going to season three, you have to expect all these people to come back. So yeah, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about Ace still being alive? Well, I mean, yeah, I feel like will he somehow turn up? Will he somehow be mentioned? Maybe we won't see him, but maybe we'll hear um, his, his character being brought up. And is he Ace? So everybody that seemed to be under control of the schisma uh, seemed to be like the spell was broken and they all were back to themselves again. But what about yeah. the people who were taken over like Ace was? Um, did that break something with them as well? Was there something, Maybe. some switcheroo yeah. happened? Is he Ace now is, or is he still um, Augustine? You know the French French colonist. I don't know. I don't know that we knew that because it looked like everyone else died. He l looked to still be alive. So I don't know if it broke the spell for him 
um, as well as the others or not. So I don't know. I, I think there's probably a good chance because he was in season one. Ace was. I mean, it was, he was played by a different character, but um, he was in season one uh, a little bit. And then he played a big, big role in this one. So I think there's a, probably a good chance that he, you know, could be a potential side character or something mentioned about him for sure. Yeah. So, especially after all that we saw from season one, I feel like we saw lots of characters or heard mention of a lot of characters from season one. We may not have always seen them, but we saw a lot in season two. It's fun little like Easter eggs. So, yeah, I think we will. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so we have for your, yeah, your number, number two. Number two. Wait, I already said my number two. My number two is Pop and his oh, final sacrifice. Okay. So what is your number two? My number two is simply communication. <laughs> so Joy it is, key. is in uh, Annie. They survive the events of Castle Rock, Salem. And they escaped to Canada. And I think they had to have been together for a long period of time. Like, I don't think this was like a next week thing. And Annie is, you know, she's changed. She, you know, Joy doesn't seem the same to her. And then we get to a point where Annie is dead set that Joy is still possessed. And yeah. we get some events and some water and... Joy is sitting face down in the water and Annie comes in, reads the note and is like, oh shit, I made a mistake and goes back out and tries to save her. And as she's doing this, I'm like, okay, like if they bring her back to life, <laughs> I'm going to lose my shit. And they do very, very well. And I didn't lose my shit. So I was pretty, pretty happy with how they did that. But good. Uh, I do. Again, I feel like they spent way too much time on the Annie prequel part of this though. I felt like a lot of this stuff probably could have been condensed down and there there should have been more tied with the kid in season one and what happened there. Like, I felt like you could have almost done this in three different parts. You have the conclusion of the zombie Salem lot people. Maybe you do the Annie prequel finish and then you do the kid finish. You know, what... And I know that you know, that's what they want you. They want you to still be hooked to be like, I need a season three to figure this out. But I feel like there should have been more tied to that part of it. And they kind of leaned into the Annie prequel finish a little bit too much. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Um, well, I feel that the entire story and season was devoted just to Annie and Joy. I felt like it was their story. So I was really confused then when we started the side story about the colonists and Amity, and then we find out the kid is involved too. And I'm like, oh, well, shit, I thought this was all about Annie and Joy. And it turns out, I think it was, where I think there was a little bit of a misstep is just a little bit, they they started to really flesh out that whole storyline with the French colonists and this weaving process and taking over the town and then taking over the world. The kid is somehow mysteriously playing a part as their angel. Um, so they, they went to great lengths to kind of flesh it out, but then wrapped it up very, very rapidly and just kind of closed the door on it and then went back to making it all about Annie and Joy. Um, 
but I, I see where they needed this side story to happen. They needed this supernatural event. and They needed these things to trigger Annie to get us yeah. to that point. I, I realize what part this played. I think that it served a purpose of getting Annie to that point where her paranoia was driving her over the edge with all these supernatural events happening. Because you can see where it was causing great chaos to her from the time that it started, from the time that Ace came back from the dead. And it was making her totally paranoid um, that she was seeing things that weren't there. She, We know that she has hallucinations. We saw hallucinations of her father. We didn't know it was her father at the time yet, but she was seeing him. She thought Ace was just another hallucination. Um, and we see how that just keeps driving her paranoia even further and further throughout the whole season. Um, so I feel like that's what was needed, but they went really far in, in establishing it, but then ripping it away from us really quickly and, and kind of rushing it. I feel there at the end. So I feel like it was it was a little bit of a misstep in how, how much they gave us, but then ripped it away from us just as quickly. Um, but I know that it had to serve a certain purpose to get us there because without all of that, Andy never would have killed Joy. Um, and that's actually my number one is the whole aftermath of everything is that she never would have you know, without believing that Joy was Amity um, and thinking that she was doing what she needed to do to save the world and making her clean. Um, she never would have done any of that. And and we would never have the Annie Wilkes that we know today without all of these events that were happening. So I understand why it happened, but I feel like it wasn't, um, there just wasn't a very good balance there. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do really, so I do like that it's pretty subtle when they did it too, because they bring her back to life. Or mm-hmm. It appears she brings her back to life, <laughs> and you know they continue this you know trip, and she's happy now, and like their relationship is like so much better. And we get to what my number one is: is they're at this book reading because now they both really like this uh, this misery book. Yeah, sitting there waiting for this reading. Front row seats, and this gentleman comes up and says, "Oh, is this seat taken?" And Annie hit where I was like, oh, crap. Okay, that's pretty clever. You know, it's like, ah, of course it is. And as an audience member, like, watch this. You're like, oh, there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. And they pan out to show you that that's the case. And we get her saying that, you know, she's uh, uh, Joy asks her, do you think you could ever get a book dedicated to you? And uh, Annie says, well, of course, yeah. I'm his number one fan. Oh, that line gave me chills. <laughs> I, I, I was I was excited and chilled at the same time. If there is such a thing, um, I I liked all of that. I I'm like you. Whenever she after she read the letter and she rushed back outside to uh, pull her out of the water and try to save her, I was like, no freaking way is she been under that water. Um, and without oxygen for that long and actually going to survive. And then when she did, in quotation marks, um, I was like, no, just no. Now, then I, then I was starting to be like, no, come on. I'm just, I'm not going to believe this. Now, not that she didn't come back, but just that, you know, where are they going with this? This just does not seem right. And then when we see her, you know, they're traveling and she seems uh, like the old joy again. She's happy-go-lucky. They're getting along. You know, she's completely different from, you know, where she was. Um, I thought, well, maybe they're taking it as, um, 
she suffered maybe some brain damage or something from mm. the drowning. Like maybe she was deprived of oxygen and maybe she suffered some type of memory loss. Maybe she, you know, completely forgot all of these things that happened. Um, and she kind of reverts back to the young girl that she was when we first met her in the beginning of the season. Um, so I thought, okay, well, that's the only way, only way I'm going to buy the fact that that girl's still alive. And then whenever, you know, but during that whole time before that, before she killed her, when we didn't quite know, because I think they were really leading us to believe that that was Am- that that was Amity. But I'm like, but she can't be. The weaving process didn't happen. She never, yeah. she never died. She never laid in the coffin. We never seen the whole ceremony thing happen. It can't be her. But they kept leading us to believe that, and I did like that. I liked that little back and forth. I was like, oh shit, no, she can't be. Oh wait, is she? Oh my god, yeah, yeah maybe yeah, yeah. she is. Because you wanted to kind of root for Annie a little bit. You wanted her to kind of be right. You wanted to root for her, and you wanted her to kind of be a hero. And she thought that's what she was doing was saving the world, you know, um, and saving Joy at the same time she doesn't want joy to be possessed and taken over uh, by something like that and also we can't let whatever evil amity was going to do you know out loose on the world um so I, I see why they had to make us believe that so i liked all of that back and forth because i know i was questioning it and i realized that the end that joy was not really alive when i saw her mother because they when they were seated in the audience before paul sheldon comes out um She's looking around in the crowd, and you see her mother. Oh, yeah. And I was like, her mother's dead. She's a hallucination. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, Joy's a hallucination. I was like, she's totally, she's she's lost her shit. She's she's lost it. You know, there's no way. And then we see her dad in the audience, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Joy's a hallucination. She's got her mother. She's got her father. She's got Joy. They're all a part of her hallucination, uh, uh, hallucination uh, you know, this family thing that she's got going on, and it's all in her head. So when they panned back and they showed the empty chair, I was like, I knew it. I knew yeah. it. And it was so, so brilliant. Um, I loved it. I thought it was a great uh, prequel story and a great kickoff to get to the Annie, um, you know, that, that we have today. I thought it was great. So do you think going forward that that's what they're going to try and make the show is find these kind of very isolated characters in Stephen King lore and create a prequel around them? Because I think that would be kind of cool. I mean, I guess that could be tricky because you have to do it really well. I think they handled this really well as far as any story. I know that there's, you know, I've read a lot of um, uh, people's issues with this finale and with the season as a whole and how there were some of those missteps and how they didn't like certain parts of it. But I think if you just, you know, nail down the, the Annie and a joy part, I think most people were pretty satisfied. I think that could be pretty tricky. And I feel like this could have been mishandled very easily. I mean, Annie Wilkes is yeah. a very beloved character. Misery is a very beloved book as well as one of the best adaptations of Stephen King's work. Um, that could have very easily went down a, a different path. And, you know, I think that's tricky. Season one wasn't. So I don't know if, if they'll continue to do that. But if they do, they need to be, I think, careful. Because um, I don't know. It, it's It can so easily go wrong, I think. They handled this pretty well. And Lizzie Kaplan did an amazing job, um, you know, getting all obsessed with with Paul Sheldon and I think it made perfect sense the way that she goes from one obsession to another you know she her father she loved her father he was her obsession then she had joy she lost joy and now she's got 
she shifted that to Paul Sheldon and you can really tell how she's really lost her shit. You know, Annie was the one thing that really grounded her. Um, and she said early on in, in the season, she goes, I love one thing. You know, she says that I could, who, who, I don't remember who she said that to, but she says, I love one thing. And that's like her focus. And then she's lost that one thing. And that's what really sent her over the edge. You know, she was able to fight her demons, fight her hallucinations because she wanted to stay straight for Annie. She wanted to stay on track for her. And when she lost her, that's when um, she has completely just lost her shit. Um, so I, I loved all of that. I thought it was really well done. I don't know if they did it. Who, who would you want to see? Who, whose prickle story would you want to see? Oh, man, I don't know. There's so It had to be somebody that's like a single movie or like... Because you wouldn't want to go big, right? Like you wouldn't want to do any of the main characters from It. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a sub-character in It would be kind of interesting, but sure. uh, it, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely one of those that's probably more downside than up. Like it's a higher risk than reward. Like this worked really well, but mm-hmm. I could see it if you go to that well again, like you could really just ruin the whole Castle Rock uh, idea. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. I I like when they kind of, I don't know. So we had Jackie Torrance in the first um, episode who, or sorry, first um, season who was a relative of Jack Torrance. Um, Then we had in this season, I believe that we had like uh, Georgia Lachance, who was somehow either supposed to be like the female reference of Gordy Lachance from Stand By Me. Maybe she could have been a distant relative of his. Um, I don't know, but I, you know, they could go off with something like that again, you know, um, kind of like a reference character, maybe not a specific character, but like a relative or something of a character of a well-known character. I think that might be a safer, safer story. Uh, than a main main character. I think I think it was a tricky thing for them to do Annie Wilkes, but I think they did it well. I was happy. I was I was thrilled. I was I was just yeah, all excited I, they, they when she picked up it, that book. The they ended it well with that prequel piece. I agree. Mm-hmm. I thought it was perfection. Did you notice that the Jeep that she drives? I noticed it when when they first started when when her and Joy are going to Castle Rock and she was driving this Jeep. But I, for some reason, it stood out more to me when they were um, traveling um, after they left Castle Rock and they're on their way to Canada. The Jeep that she drives look, looks a lot like the one that she drives in the movie uh, Misery. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be a good call. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it, I I love that. I love the whole. I know there were. If, you know, both of us had kind of our gripes, you know, little gripes anyway. I, I Little gripes for me, maybe bigger for you, but, um, you know, about either the season as a whole or some of the fin- uh, pieces of the finale. But I think as far as the, the Annie and Joy story, it made perfect sense to me. I thought it was great. Um, I really liked it. So yeah, that was awesome. Whole, I, I enjoyed it. I think it just makes me nervous, especially with it being J.J. Abrams, that mm-hmm. we're going to end up at the end of like season seven being like, what the fuck? All right, let's go season eight. And then it'll end. And you'd be like, okay, like they really didn't have an idea. And that's, and I'm always been like black mirror is one of my favorite shows of all time because Mm -hmm. each episode is its own thing. Yeah. And so I like that because there's closure, but then there's not enough closure that you could at least interpret stuff. Uh, But with this, I think you can interpret something, but it's probably going to end up being wrong come season three, four, (laughs) five or whatever we have. Does it make you nervous to go see Rise of Skywalker? Uh, a little bit. Although <laughs> we're recording this Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh, so by the time this comes out, we'll already seen it. At least I will. I'm going Thursday. 
I'm going Friday. I've heard good things so far, so I hope it. I hope it's what I want, but it's hard to tell. I think it depends on what you're looking at. I saw one. I didn't read reviews because look, I was uh, traveling um, just yesterday and late last night, and I got on Twitter, and holy hell, people! um, This, uh, like Sean said, this is. Uh, when this episode comes out, you may have already watched Rise of Skywalker. But if you have not, beware of spoilers. the The ending to the movie has been leaked. Um, Seriously, like it, it's not even ending, out for people to see yet. The ending somehow somebody got the, the ending and they leaked it online, Jeez. and people are talking about the movie that did see it. And so spoilers are out there. I didn't. I don't think I saw any heavy spoilers, but I think I probably saw a few references, not specifics, but references that I probably should not have seen by accident because I didn't yeah. know that it was there. And people I know were pissed off. Um, and I know on Rotten Tomatoes it had like a fifty-something percent audience rating. Um, so that's not great so far. So I don't know. I'm really nervous, but I don't get to go until Friday. I have Krav on um, uh, Thursdays and they only have like a six, like 30 show, which I have to be at Krav at that time. And then a 10 o'clock or 1030 show. And let me tell you what, this old lady ain't cannot stay up, go to a uh, 1030 show for two and a half hours. So, <laughs> so when I saw uh, The Force Awakens, it was around this time. And I went to my favorite movie theater, and they don't have assigned seating. So I had to sit outside <gasps> so I didn't get a crappy seat. So I was outside oh, like no. the 10th in line, freezing my butt so off it's like so two cold. hours. Yes. Yeah. So what I did is the earliest, there's a different theater, not my favorite theater, but they have assigned seating. Mm-hmm. And the, the show they have is at 6. So I get to pack all my stuff up at work, drive the 15, 20 minutes that it takes to get there, get in line, get through. My seat's assigned, so it doesn't matter. Get me a little drink, maybe some nachos, sit and watch the movie. Yes. You know what? I tell you what, the assigned seating process has really saved that lining up for a good seat. Because, man, back in the day before that, I would, you know, these big, you know, uh, movie weekends, you know, you have to stand in line for so long and get there early to get a good seat. Yeah, it's good and bad because I do, I will miss a little bit of the standing in line and getting to like talk to people you don't know, but. Mm Especially this time of year when there's not enough room in the theater, like it's it's going to be nice, especially with it being that close to when I get off work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and with cold weather, I am not about waiting outside. I remember when um, the very first Spider-Man that when the Tobey Maguire, when they remade, when Sam Raimi redid the Spider-Man trilogy, the first one, we, we took the, the kid to see that and we were having to wait outside in line for that. Luckily, I believe, pretty sure it was during the summer. Um, so it wasn't terrible. But I'm going to tell you what, I'm not about standing outside into freaking December in 30 degrees. Um, I love Star Wars, man, but that's going to push my fandom just a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, especially like right now I'm fighting a cold and stuff too. So definitely not standing out there in that 30 degree weather that we have right now would not be worth it. No, the cold makes me a grumpy bitch. I'm not going to lie. It really, really does. The cold makes me grumpy. That's why I need to get the hell out of where I live. So I don't have any more super cold weather like that. I cannot freaking take it. It makes me a grump. Um, I'm just a grump all winter long. I don't even want to listen to myself. I know other people don't. But anyway, we have so ventured so far off of this. But you were talking about J.J. Abrams and how he tends to, you know, work his series and stuff. And um, it kind of made me think that 
you know, how some people have their feelings about um, how he's handled uh, some of the Star Wars stuff and if it made you nervous um, for Rise of Skywalker. Either way, I'm trying to keep my expectations really low um, to go see Rise of Skywalker. But anyway, um, notes. The only note that I had that I, we haven't already mentioned, I thought it was interesting the movie that uh, Joy was watching. She was watching that movie that was all in French, didn't have subtitles. That was one of the things that made Annie think that that could have been Amity because Amity spoke French and you know, why would Joy be watching a a movie in French that she couldn't understand with no subtitles or anything? Um, So the movie was called blue is the warmest color. It's a French movie about a girl coming of age and having a lesbian relationship. Um, But it is on Netflix. Hey, if you want to watch it. Um, And I, and I think that's probably why Joy was so into it. I think it kind of alludes to um, her and chances potential relationship that they could have had. Um, but anyway, I haven't seen it. I don't really know a whole lot about it. That's literally the only thing that I know about it. But just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, anyway, since I kind of made a point to kind of, you know, really focus on that for, for just a bit. So did you have any notes? No, I think we kind of touched on everything I had. So Sweet. <clears throat> well, we do have one news item. So I did see in an interview that they did um, with Lizzie Kaplan uh from TV line. So their first question was, let's start with that very final moment when we learn Annie did kill Joy and her daughter is just in her head now. Had you discussed that twist beforehand with the producers or were you taken by surprise when you read the uh, final script? She says, yeah, that was something that series co-creator Dustin Thompson and I discussed. There was a version of a different ending that we thought we were going to do when we were halfway through shooting the season. And then it became very, very clear that this was the only way to end it. Annie had to kill Joy. It wouldn't have had the same emotional impact if she had killed somebody else and Joy witnessed it. And then that caused their future future emotional estrangement. None of it seemed to carry enough of an emotional gut punch as killing Joy. We wanted the audience to constantly be questioning whether Annie was going to kill Joy. There's this pull in that direction, and Annie spends so much time fighting that pull. We wanted this specter that's hanging over Annie for the whole season. Will she kill Joy? Deep down, Annie was conscious of that fear, and Joy probably was as well. And we just didn't want to end the season with a whimper. We wanted to end it with a bang where Annie's deepest fear about herself would actually come to pass. Uh, I tell you what, Annie is such a killjoy. (laughs) (laughs) good one sean (laughs) um their next question they say as the woman playing annie did you feel as though her actions were justified or did you have a hard time wrapping your head around her decision she says yeah annie took this one a bit far the whole thing i realized in playing this character is that even though she often sees things that aren't there and she misreads the room quite a lot it has it It has to feel very true to Annie. I didn't want it to be like, oh, she's crazy. She does crazy stuff. I would never do that. I wanted people to feel like, oh, God, maybe in that situation, back back against that wall, maybe I would do something like that. That is sort of my job, to make her actions seem justifiable to her. And when we get to the second half of this finale, she's suspicious that Joy is, in fact, one of the turned people. And she is well within her rights to suspect that, to be afraid of something like that. They've just survived this completely outlandish situation. So with Annie Wilkes' logic, you can't really fault her for thinking that is a possibility. 
We can fault her logic in previous scenes throughout the season, but I don't think this one. And when you're a teenager, you start breaking away from your parents and looking for your own independence. And it seems most mothers have to grieve their little girl and welcome in this grown woman. And that's a difficult situation in the real world. Our situation is obviously enhanced, to put it lightly. But this situation with Joy, you buy both versions of it. You buy the version that she's still possessed and under the spell... That's Annie's reality. And you can also completely buy that Joy's just being a teenager who went through some heavy shit and needs to be by herself for a little bit. We wanted the audience to not know which was the reality. At the beginning of the season, the audience knows what is real and what is not, even when Annie doesn't always. But because we've gone through this supernatural task, the audience is hopefully questioning what's true and what isn't. If we can put you a little bit in the brain of Annie so that you're questioning your logic around those decisions, then we've done a good job. I like that. I think she's got a really good take on that one. <clears throat> Their next question. I want to get your take on Annie's hallucinations at the end, particularly when she's seeing Joy. Is that a direct result of her psychosis and perhaps a lack of medication? Or is this just her twisted way of grieving? Uh, Lizzie Kaplan says, probably a combination of all those things. I do believe that, like many things about Annie, it's very open to the audience's interpretation. I personally believe, and this is truly just my opinion, since we won't get to see what happens beyond that moment, that once she sees Paul Sheldon and she's completely locked into her new obsession with misery and this author, joy would eventually disappear. Annie's got her sights set on her next true love. She leapfrogs from one to the next, from her father to Joy and out of Paul Sheldon and the misery books. She only has room to truly love one thing and be obsessed with one thing. So she settles into this new obsession. I feel like Joy would probably fade into the background. I don't believe that Joy is manifesting herself in Annie's brain during the Sidewinder Colorado days in misery. Joy's put to bed before that occurs. Uh, their next question, and they say, I love that moment where Annie picks up a Paul Sheldon book for the first time and reads a passage and then says, good opening. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> she, I, like that. I know. They said, did you get a kick out of those little nods to the future, Annie? She says, absolutely. It was the best. In fact, I just remembered something and I'm really bummed it's not in there. We got a prop made of a little penguin. I don't know if you remember this from the movie, but Annie has a penguin figurine. And when Paul Sheldon goes out into the living room, hey, spoiler alert, guys, if you haven't seen Misery, um, that's how she knows he's been out of his room. So we recreated it. She was going to find that too. Uh, doing those little Easter eggs was the fun of it all. Yes, it's a horror show and there are really emotionally charged scenes. But the joy of playing and watching Annie Wilkes is that she's not just this super intense dark villain all the time. She has these other dimensions, including being silly and fun. And those are the things that I love most about Misery. She's operating under a different rule book. I love that. I love that they got a kick out of doing all of those Easter eggs like we get a kick out of watching them. Um, their last question, they said, speaking of which, and I hope this isn't too twisted a question, there was a moment in episode nine where Jamal is lying in the hospital bed. Annie picks up a mallet and she looks like she's going to hurt him with it, but she doesn't. Was there any part of you that was weirdly disappointed that she didn't get to put the same move that Misery's Annie did? Uh, she says, we did get that sledgehammer scene where I smashed the guy's head in during episode eight. So that was pretty satisfying. We were all very excited to get to shoot that. But in the scene that you're talking about, those were just random props that were laid out. I wanted to have a moment of picking up that hammer and looking at it. Part of the fun of doing the show is those little homages to the queen, Kathy Bates. We were always looking for little things we could sneak in, some of which started in the script stage before we started shooting, and some we would just find on set. And it gave us glee thinking about people discovering those when they watched the show. I like that. I do, too. That's all the news that I had. I just thought that was an interesting um, few um, 
question and answers from from that interview, getting to hear from Lizzie Kaplan's perspective, um, since she probably has just a little bit more insight playing Annie um, into her brain than what we did. So that then takes us to our favorite part of the podcast, and that's letters from The Laughing Place, our listener feedback portion. John, you want to take that first one? Ah, uh, yeah. So Paik Allen reaches out to his La Champion. You'll get that <laughs> reference. Uh, so first off, great job, Rima Chan on coverage this season. Love listening every week. I really like this finale, even though it ended similar to season one, which I didn't like then, but I have a new appreciation for now as I've learned to be the Castle Rock style and see how they can play with our ideas of reality. They are so good at making me question everything. Love the emotional well of mystery this show can be. Oh, thanks, Paik. Appreciate that. Um, Second one we have is from Leslie Williams-Bosnack. She says, I felt like the goo people plot was a little pointless. Granted, I was not a big fan of it most of the season and wish they had focused on the Annie Joy plot line much more. Yeah, I feel like they didn't come in on a good landing on the goo people. Uh, Maria Alex. So honestly, kind of frustrated. It bugs me when a finale wraps up a season's plot in the first half and then goes in a different direction for the rest of the episode. Blowing up the Marstein place and seeing the kid vanish again should have happened in the last 10 minutes of the episode. Hmm. Douglas Cohen says, what a great season. Can't wait to see where we go in season three. Erica Land says, is it possible to cry and squee in excitement possibility simultaneously? That's how I felt with that final episode. Oh, that final sequence. Sorry. I think that is possible, Erica. I Mm -hmm. did the same. Um, Next one comes from Lindsay Schlick. She says, overall, can't say I love this episode. Held all shots stay in the blood through the change. More convenient storytelling. Do we know what ultimately came of Chance, Abdi, and Nadia? Why were we shown Ace surviving being stabbed? The only thing that saved this episode for me was the last 15 minutes. At first, I thought it was a cheap ending to have Joy saved after Andy Annie drowned her, but then it occurred to me remaining under Annie's control is maybe worse than death. And then the happy scenes at the end with Joy and Annie eating ice cream, Joy looked off to me. And I realized what had actually happened. That's one hell of a typical messed up Stephen King type ending. Kind of wish this could have simply been Annie's story and the whole resurrected French settlers thing could have been saved for another season. Loved the beginning of the series, but it lost momentum for me when it became so much about them instead of Annie and Joy. So what's next, guys? Hmm. Oh, well, you (laughs) will just have to wait to find out. You have to wait till the end, (laughs) Lindsay. (laughs) If you know what's best for you, you will wait. Yes, you will. <laughs> Doug Fix says, first off, stop with you jokes. No, he didn't say <laughs> Doug Fix says, first off, great season for eight and two thirds episode. Then last one third. So many questions. Why did it turn into an action movie with bombs and stuff? When a shot pops after he injected himself, wouldn't he have seen the syringe somewhere nearby, or if he hid it in his pocket? They clearly disrobed him, and he got swanky ace duds, too. Why didn't all the minions get a new wardrobe? That's a good question. Hmm. Also, whose vessel was Pop supposed to be for? That's the other thing I wondered. Like, we thought they had, like, maxed out their yeah. vessel capacity. There's an endless they, number of yeah, settlers they had available. Some been waiting. Yeah, <laughs> just in case. All the settlers got their vessels. Who was his alter ego? And so saw that coming that he would save Nadia and Abdi. And all the power of the kid was in the statue? And then the kid at the lake after the explosions, why was he there instead of at the house? Communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was looking like, oh, well, there goes 400 years. Mm, bye. 
(laughs) (laughs) All that work and no contingency plan? Now the last third. So cool seeing the missing persons fly at the gas station, but why in Canada? I don't want to die in Canada. Mm. Clearly, Annie was on the placebos that Ace gave her, so she had joy under his spell, but he disappeared. The drowning scene was hard to watch and left me wondering what was she trying to do? Get Amity out of Joy by killing her? I was a little confused, but when Joy came back, I almost bought that she believed Annie's story that she fell into the water. But that is what she probably convinced the authorities, silly Canadians, (laughs) and the emancipation lawyer thing. I'm sure there is no birth certificate, social security numbers, proof of parenthood to emancipate from. I wish they showed her real drawings instead of what Annie saw. Water played a big role in this season, and the final sequence, I wanted to believe it was real, but all the overly smiling faces, ice cream sharing, and then the man who asked about the chair. I even laughed at not knowing the reality one shot later. I was left in a wow state of mind. So now, after all this, we get the story of Annie's origin story for Misery. As much as I like this season, it left me a little in need. I am sure RNS will help us understand better. Thank you in advance. Until our next diversion, wish all of you the best of holiday seasons and a great new year to come. Except Pitbull. You suck. You suck, Jingle Balls. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's one thing I won't miss about the season being over. I won't miss all of the uh, um, mobile commercials, for sure. I'm kind of yeah. burnt out, especially I, because uh, we always watch the episodes twice, right? Typically, yeah. um, so, so we get double the pit bull. Yeah, we get double, guys. Um, so yeah, thanks. Doug. I dropped that my was mobile great. my mobile service just because of that my T Mobile. <laughs> nope, done. And they asked why. I said pit bull. They said, "Wait, you got attacked by a pit bull?" I'm like, "No, your guy pit bull." I hear Mint Mobile's really good. I don't know. Um, I haven't tried it myself though. And I'm not getting paid for that, guys. Um, So we do have an email. Um, It starts off, I was about to curse the producers of the show for giving us a drop-the-ball moment in the finale when they didn't have the cojones to go dark with the ending, which would be a typical of Stephen King work. But what an OMG jaw-drop moment that was for me in the final scene when the camera pans out and Annie is sitting next to an empty seat in the bookstore. That ending floored me and topped off a season that had me engaged the entire way. The last third of the episode was so well-written. Um, with neither Annie nor the audience knowing whether Joy had been possessed by Amity or was just another messed up teenager. I can sympathize with Annie's plight and most parents of teenagers who wonder whatever happened to their sweet little child. Even those who don't have murderous paranoid bipolar parents. But even after Annie supposedly uh, resuscitated Joy, I thought that maybe her near-death experience exercised the spirit of Amity and that was the cause of her sudden about change in attitude towards Annie. Oh, I didn't think about that as a possibility. That's good. Little did we know that it was all a figment of Annie's imagination. Going back and rewatching it, I realized that even Joy's dialogue sounds like Annie had written it for her. What a twist! Was I the only one waiting for an after credit scene to find out the fates of Nadia Abdi and the rest of the citizens of Castle Rock? Well, I am assuming that we will find out next year, but I did feel a little bit let down that we didn't wrap up their stories. One more quick Easter egg. Did you notice the missing person poster with Henry Deaver's photo at the gas station? Why, yes, we did. Looks like the kid, Angel, isn't the only one missing. Well, I suppose we have another year to see what kind of mess was left back in Jerusalem's lot. Thanks for being our tour guides, Sean and Rima. Uh, Laura. Thanks, Laura. That was great feedback. Uh, we got some Twitter feedback, and I love this name, Sleestack. Yeah. 
that's, that's uh, Land Dez. of the Lost reference? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yo, Dez, that's Dez. Dez okay. comes from the Facebook group. So. Oh, I think that's got to be Land of the Lost. I could be wrong. Maybe. We'll have to ask him. Uh, loved it. Although the very end was kind of expected, it was well done. I was never a huge Lizzie Chaplin fan, but she got my respect this time. She channeled Kathy Bates, but still kept Annie's character fresh. She even nailed the way she walked and ran. She sure did. Next one's from Tony on Twitter. She says, I loved all the scenes with Annie and Joy, but I didn't like season one and could have done without the kids' return. It felt forced and again made zero sense. Lots of people felt that way. I get it. Okay. So now we have a voicemail from our loyal listener, Steve Brown. Hey, Sean and Rima, it's Steve, and uh, this is for Clean, the uh, season finale of Castle Rock. And uh, I, I loved the beginning with Anne kind of calling the shots and making the plan, and, and uh, when Nadia kind of uh, questioned her, she was just like, well, what plan do you have? And uh, Pop holding on was great. That was him using the Haldol and then handcuffing himself to the to the radiator so that if he did change there wouldn't be an opportunity for uh atn i guess was his to uh to change his mind or change nadia's mind and stop the the bomb from going off i, I didn't mind just that quick cameo of the kid again uh kind of telling us my assumption anyway is that he he was still orchestrating events but obviously he was denied his his victory and why why is there a missing poster for Henry Deaver in Canada? Is was that just an Easter egg you think, or is there something more there story wise? And gosh, that ending uh, so tragic, but it does uh, lead us you know into how Annie has such a psychotic break. Do you think the the reason for that psychotic break and and her uh, obviously killing Joy? And somehow, I guess, disposing the body or, or hiding it or whatever, because you'd think that lawyer would come looking for her. Um, do you think that's because she never switched her pills back? So she never actually started taking her pills again. Uh, it does leave a lot of questions that we're probably not going to get answers to. and Or it just leaves us for us to speculate about how she was able to uh, get to where she was. Can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts and can't wait to hear what's next for Strange Indeed. Talk to you later. Ooh, oh, awesome. Steve, great as always. Yeah, I think that's that's probably my biggest complaint, though, is that there's just so many questions left unanswered. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe eventually when it's finally all wrapped up, maybe we'll get yeah. there. Um, and it's not like a big complaint. It's just kind of like I like a little bit more closure than what we got. But again, enough to keep me interested for multiple more seasons. Yeah, stay tuned. We'll have to see if when, if and when they announce season three and how long we'll have to wait. I'm guessing a whole other year. Um, Probably. But we'll see. Anyway, thanks, guys, so much for the feedback. We got some really great feedback. Everybody seemed to, um, you know, was kind of either one way or another or sometimes split down the middle. But we really got some great participation from you guys like we did with season one of Castle Rock. So thanks so much, everyone, for taking the time to write in and let us know what you thought. Yeah, thanks, everybody. All right, so next week we'll be taking the holidays off as we prepare for our next series, which drops December 26th by covering the first episode from season two of Netflix TV series, You. 
I'm excited for this one. So the title of the first episode is A Fresh Start. And uh, I'm not going to lie. When I saw the teaser trailer, I was like, yeah, it looks interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the full trailer they just dropped, I think, yesterday, Mm -hmm. Monday or Tuesday. Ooh, it's got me excited. (sighs) And I'm trying to hold off. I almost always go ahead and I I know how everyone's heard me talk about spoilers and how much I hate them and abhor him, abhor them. Is that a right word? Anyway, um, but I typically will watch trailers. I typically will, you know, don't really find them too spoilery, and I do enjoy watching them. Um, but I saw the teaser. I, I stayed away from the, the trailer, just like I haven't seen any uh, Rise of Skywalker trailers. Like I saw oh, a teaser yeah. like way, way back, the very first teaser that was released. Like, what was it, Comic-Con maybe or whenever the hell they did that? But that's the only tra- trailer that I've seen. I've been trying to like stay kind of pure for it. So I haven't watched that one from you that dropped this week, but I'm really, really would, tempted. Uh, no, I would say this close to showing up, don't watch it. Go into okay. it without watching it. Okay. It didn't spoil anything, but... I would say it could potentially lead you down like a path watching the show. Okay. So I would say don't don't watch the trailer go into I it. I think with... I think because we we only have a week, right? So like Sean yep. said, we are recording this the week before Christmas. Um next week is Christmas. We're going to take that week off. Um but the day after Christmas is when new season 2 drops. I'll be sure to post it on social media for everyone to know in case you're not listening to us um and in case you do want to join us for season 2 of you. I know we had so much fun with season oh, one. Yeah. God, was that was good. that was one of the. Um, uh, we have a I great time with a lot of things, but that was a really great fun yeah. show. I to, still can't to look about. at a pillow the same way, like a throw pillow. Uh, just can't look at it. I, yeah, I, I keep looking for a green pillow like that. <laughs> um, you know, if if anyone knows where I can find one. Um, but we had so much fun with that. So I'm really, really excited to cover cover that one. So be looking out for that, guys. And we'll be back the week after Christmas starting with that first episode. Um, and until then, we're really excited for you to travel to Salem's Lot with us. And while visiting, you can follow us on Twitter at StrangeTCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore Pod. Go ahead and give us some more follows, guys. I haven't seen uh, very many follows lately. So if you haven't followed us on Instagram, go out and give us a follow and make my day. Um, and you can also email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great podcasts podcast. Like House Podcastica, which is covering The Mandalorian right now. Yes. The new episode dropped today. Yeah, um, I need to watch that before tomorrow at some point. Yes, I would advise that you do that. Um, it was They dropped it on, uh, so today's Wednesday. Mandalorian typically drops on Fridays. Um, but they did that in uh, so it wouldn't uh, conflict with Rise of Skywalker um, that comes out this weekend. So it dropped a little early. Plus, I think they might have had a sneak peek um, at the end of the credits of The Mandalorian. If you want a little sneak peek of the rise of skywalker so if you're interested in nice. that check them out and check out jason chris and rich on house podcastica for their coverage of the mandalorian it is super fun they're doing a great job and having a great time with it um and because we love to talk about great podcasts around here um, make sure to check out sean and his other podcast the language of romance that comes out every sunday what's happening this week Oh, well, Rich is a big Star Wars fan, so we're both going to see the movie on Thursday and talk about it and release that on Sunday. And if we can toot our own little horn, we are so close to being in the top 
set a podcast for the improv comedy. Yeah. If you haven't already, go out, subscribe, leave a review for Language of Bromance and get us into that top group. That really, really helps people discover us. Uh, yeah. And I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Go out and give them a follow, guys, and give a great review. Five stars. That'd be great. Um, well, that's exciting. I love, I, I can't wait to hear what you guys thought about Star Wars. So I need someone to nerd also, out with. Like to say for you, Strange and Dieters, uh, have a happy holidays. Be safe. Uh, we, we're very thankful for you guys to join us this year. It's been a great 2019. I'm excited for 2020. I know. We won't talk to you guys until after Christmas. So hope everyone has um, a great happy holidays, a happy Christmas, a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, um, a happy Festivus, whatever you celebrate, whoever you're celebrating with. I hope it's awesome and fun and that everyone has a great time. Um, and thanks for um, thinking of us this time of year as well. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 113 clean. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Pake Allen is strange indeed. I've been holding that this entire show.